0: Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to Behind the Tour, the podcast from American Christian Tours that goes behind the scenes of the most iconic sites, historic characters, and true stories in American history to discover how God has been at work since the very beginning. Well, this is Aaron, and I'm joined today by Sabrina Carlson, president of American Christian Tours, and Jay Prophet, my friend who works in the marketing well, Welcome back, Sabrina and Jay. How are you guys doing?
1: Doing well, Aaron. It's good to be here with you again today. Aaron and Sabrina.
2: I'm really glad that we can have this time
0: together. You guys, I'm so happy that you joined me today because the, the topic that we're covering today is, is, a, is a difficult one. Uh, the sites that we're going to talk about are incredible uh, memorials. But for our listeners today, uh, we want to take you behind the tour in this episode called 9-11 Remembered, 20 years later. In the midst of great tragedy can and often does come great triumph. And to encourage means to build one another up in courage. And that's going to be kind of a theme for today is thinking about uh, not only being encouraging, building people up, but thinking about what courage really means. Uh, And none of us knows when we're going to be called on to do something courageous in this lifetime. Uh, But godly courage is a worthy goal, wouldn't you guys say?
1: Indeed. Indeed.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I I agree with you, Aaron. We never know when it's going to happen. And I think we'll gather that as we go through this episode today.
0: Yeah. Well, courage, the Webster's Dictionary, finds courage as bravery, that quality of mind which enables men and women to encounter dangerous and difficult things with firmness or without fear, oftentimes called valor. Our nation has experienced uh, some really dark times since its founding. Just saying those numbers, 9-11, immediately arouses uh, many feelings and many images to anyone hearing them, just like it did uh, to anyone who lived through World War II, um, Pearl Harbor uh, being attacked, uh, living in the in the 60s, hearing that President Kennedy had just been shot and assassinated, or even Martin Luther King Jr., and were quickly brought uh, back to a time and a place where we can remember what was happening uh, when we heard and saw how we felt. Uh, I'm sure we have many listeners that weren't alive during the 9-11 event, Uh, but the events that took place on September 11th, 2001, uh, are are burned into my mind, and I'm sure burned into a lot of people's minds uh, and would change our nation forever. So, uh, Sabrina, could you maybe uh, just give a, a few little thoughts that you have on why we're remem- remembering nine eleven today, and uh, I mean, why even talk about this?
1: Yeah, that's I, I love what you've already said, Aaron, about courage because I think that's uh, one of those big ideas that we talk about when we take uh, people out on our programs, and the the reason we go back and look at memorials. You know, we we often talk about how even Joshua was commanded to set up stones of of uh, remembrance to come back and look, and this is uh, one of those memorials, and we'll talk more about the, the different memorials that grew out of the events of that day. But when we go back to these memorials to pay tribute to uh, the lives that were lost, uh, tragically lost on that day, and also learn from the courage of those who uh, the first responders, some even on those um, planes that took uh, steps of courage that are um, even as we sit here today, it's hard to imagine what would I have done? Um, what, what what if that had been me? What steps would I have done? Would I have gone back into a burning building to save um, people that I didn't even know? So I think today that's why we look back. We, we build these memorials. Um, even uh, one of the memorials and the dedication, you know, it, it will never replace what those of you are who are mourning, loved, and lost. But we pray you find some comfort among this and, and remembering that our nation will grieve with you uh, for years to come. We will not forget uh, the lives that were lost and those who gave their lives with that same courage that we're encouraging today. Yeah.
0: Well, Jay, maybe you can give our listeners a little background on what actually happened on 9-11.
2: Um, basically, 9-11 was the shorthand that we all started to use uh, at that time that represented the attacks that took place the morning of September 11th. And they were carried out by Islamic extremists uh, who had come into our country earlier and had trained for this. And they hijacked four commercial airplanes. They were flights that were going to be heading nonstop. And they were going to use them as ways to attack what they saw as some icons in our country. One of those icons would be the Trade Center Towers of the World Trade Center, the North and South Towers. And they were both like 1,300 feet tall. And then another plane was going to head into the Pentagon, which represented our military strength. And then later, we believe the last plane was going to probably hit the Capitol building. And so the first two planes, they hit the World Trade Center Towers. The first one hit the North Tower at 8.46 in the morning. And the second one hit the South Tower at 9.03 in the morning. And then the next plane that would hit would be the one that would come in to the Pentagon. 9.37 in the morning is when that plane hit. Now, what a lot of people didn't know is one of the planes uh, wasn't able to take off right away. That was Flight 93. They had a delay, so they took off, I think, about 40 minutes late. But basically, those planes all hit those um, sites, and they did devastation. A lot of people were killed. Aaron, would you be willing to share with our listeners the numbers of those that were killed in the 9-11 attacks?
0: Yeah, Jay. the The attacks killed two thousand nine hundred and seventy seven people altogether, and two thousand seven hundred and fifty three people were killed in New York City, and one hundred and eighty four uh, people died. They lost their lives uh, with the plane crashing into the Pentagon, and uh, forty people were killed on Flight ninety three that uh, they crashed in Pennsylvania.
1: And Jay, I. I know that uh, when we talk about this, it definitely brings up a lot in your own mind. Um, I remember I was a a mom of a toddler at the time, and I was still at home that morning when uh, on Central Time, so it was a little earlier there. And uh, we started getting uh, phone calls, and you were actually on tour at that time. Uh, It's it's not a early September; it's not a a busy time usually for acts, but you happened to be on the road that day. with a group of uh, high school seniors, I believe, starting out their senior year, and you were in Arlington when uh, you started getting a couple phone calls. Uh, technology was definitely very different 20 years ago, but, but we could call you at that point and um, tell us a little bit about what you remember specifically from that.
2: Um, It was a beautiful morning. I I had, like you said, a group of seniors uh, from Redding, California. They had come in the night before. We had done some stuff in DC. And then that morning, they were scheduled to lay a wreath at the tomb of the Unknown Soldiers at 10. We had just gotten to the cemetery. We were walking in the gates, and my phone rang. And so I answered it, and it was my sister. And she was crying, and she was telling me about how there had been a plane that had crashed into the World Trade Center Tower, and all the news channels were covering it. And while they were covering it, a second plane uh, came and hit the South Tower. They right away realized that this was probably more than just an accident, which is what a lot of people thought the first one was some sort of crazy accident. They thought that there were some other hijackers that were out there. So um, she told me that and I hung up the phone and I kept walking with the group and we kind of were up by the uh, getting close to the Kennedy gravesite and I was talking to the teacher. We decided we probably better let the kids know. So we gathered the kids around and we told them and uh, we prayed right then uh, for what was happening and the people that were involved. And And then I just reminded them of how Arlington was full of a lot of soldiers because we had been attacked, you know, in Pearl Harbor. And that had brought us into World War II, which was just, you know, really sacrificial war for our country. A lot of men lost their lives. We kept walking up towards the tomb. And as we were getting close to the tomb, and if you've ever been in Arlington National Cemetery, uh, you will know this. But if you haven't, it's a very hilly place, and there's a lot of trees. Um, So we were walking, you know, up and down these hills and a lot of trees, And we're getting close to where you could kind of see the tomb through the trees. And all of a sudden, we heard this loud roar right in front of us. I remember distinctly, one of the moms said, oh, maybe they're sending like fighter jets up to New York. And right after she said that, um, we heard the explosion, which we later found out was the plane um, hitting the Pentagon. And the ground shook. And I remember... Um, we literally all were on the ground. You could hear it echoing all throughout the cemetery. Right away, I said, you guys, I think something just happened down by the Pentagon because we were literally we we're like a quarter of a mile away from the Pentagon. So I said, I think our best bet is to head up to the tomb because there's soldiers there. So we, we started walking up to the tomb and it was really surreal because as we approached the tomb and we would more learn more about this later, there was a group that was finishing a wreath laying and they were playing taps. So we're walking up towards the tomb, hearing taps. And as we turn around, we can see down at the bottom of the hill, this cloud of smoke, you know, rising and fire from the Pentagon building. I, you know, I had been trying to call the office. There was just no connection because the whole system had gone down with with cell phones so i told my group i was going to run around to the back there's like a payphone back there by the guard shack and i ran right. back there and i picked up the phone uh, payphone and um i hit the i hit it and it was dead and you know click click there was nothing there and right then a, a guard came out and he said you need to evacuate the cemetery and he said the pentagon's been attacked All of a sudden, the cemetery felt like this really safe place to be. You know, there's not a lot of buildings there. I gathered the group around me again, and we prayed again. And I told them, you know, we were going to try to figure out what we're going to do. But we're making our way back to the bottom where our bus was. And on the way down, and this is always a memory that I'll never forget, there was a grandma who had come along on the trip. And she was probably about 80 and she came up alongside me as we're walking down. I might I might kind of tear up on this one. But anyway, um, I remember she grabbed my hand. And as we're walking down the hill, she was like, she's like, Jay, don't worry about this. She said, our country's going to be fine. She said, you know, I've lived through yeah. World War right. II. I've lived through, you know, the Korean War, the Vietnam War, the Great Depression, you know she's just like listing all these things that she had survived as an american and she's like we'll get through this together and you know you just need to be strong and brave and stuff like that and just having her holding my hand it was just such a comfort going down the hill
0: i think that's awesome just having an older lady uh not just holding your hand but saying hey we're going to get th- through exactly. this together
2: so that feeling of comfort was soon tested cuz we got down to the visitors center and we got up there and everything was locked including the gate to the parking lot and our bus was gone we didn't know it but they had moved the bus right outside so we were able to get in the bus and we got in the bus and as we took off probably like a mile or two up the road we were I was going to take the group up to our hotel which is in the suburbs of Washington and um, I got all of a sudden the phone rang and it was our office uh, I could probably let Sabrina tell you what happened then because I wasn't involved with that, but we did head up to our hotel.
1: Yeah, every time I hear you tell that story, Jay, I, I still, in, in my mind, I'm walking those hills with you and the, I can't even imagine, you know, for 20 years as you've continued to lead tours and tell the stories of, of what's happened in our country that, um, that brings back memories, I'm sure, every time you walk those hills. Jane,
0: I've never heard that story. To me, that's just amazing because I know your story go, goes along with so many other people's stories in all all of these different locations uh, when our country was under attack.
1: Even being in, in the home office and quickly you know, getting in and, and assessing what was happening and, and getting contact, yeah, I, I remember very surreal, just, is this really happening, and how much more, as, as, you know, the first tower, then the second tower, then the Pentagon, and then, of course, Flight 93 was a little bit after that, but it's, I remember thinking at that point, what else, Uh, what's next, and, for our country, and you know, certainly the group that we had in in Washington at that time was top priority. And so we could go we could talk a long time about the details of how that all worked out. But um, it was amazing to see the team in the office pull together, our vendors pull together, uh, just like our country did at that time. We were able to get get them um, out of that area very quickly. And I can't remember how many days later, six or seven days later, you w- they were.
2: We were actually the f- we were the second group to fly out of um, right. Norfolk on Saturday. Um, so we were there the whole week. But what the com- the company was, you know, it was just amazing. We quickly were rerouted, went up to like Amish country in Gettysburg and uh, went to Charlottesville where Monticello is and then ended up in uh, Williamsburg. So we were out in these smaller communities. Everyone was so happy to see us. And I wanted to just tell you, when we got to Gettysburg, there was a elderly group at the hotel and we bumped into them and it turned out they were the ones that were laying the tomb wreath and they were a group of senior citizens from london england so they started talking to our kids and they were like oh you guys don't don't let this bother you we lived through world war ii and they said every night like the Germans would fly over London and they drop bombs on the city and we all sent our kids you know out into the country but they lived through all that and so again i think it was really comforting for the kids to just see that there were people that had lived through really trying circumstances but had courage and they were like encouraging our kids. So that was a really neat experience too.
0: Well, you guys, uh, let's talk a little bit about the memorials. Where are they and, and, and what do they mean? And, you know, we've all been out to New York in those after years too, from when this event took place. And early memorials kind of started springing up, right? Nearby uh, St. Paul's Chapel, which has kind of uh, become a, an icon, uh, didn't suffer any damage, uh, even though it was close to ground zero uh, debris. And the church became a memorial uh, as people began hanging photos of missing loved ones. And there were lots of them, a lot of people wondering where their loved ones were, if they were still alive, uh, and friends, along uh, with flowers and mementos, all along the fence of the cemetery. And, you know, they started serving meals, providing cleanup supplies, workers, uh, laborers, uh, people all over the world sent posters and words of encouragement. And uh, Sabrina, Jay, yeah, we remember the Tribute Center, right? Where we'd walk into the Tribute Center and they'd have all those photos and faces of the people that had perished.
1: Yeah, they were very quick to... put a tribute together for those lives that were lost right, uh, very close to ground zero. And that was some of the first memories that I have going into New York and walking through that museum and some of the most powerful moments of hearing the stories of those first responders that went in to those towers. Powerful. It
0: showed me the the innate human spirit that God put in people, you know, whether they're believers in Christ or not, they had this innate spirit of a desire to help, uh, because so many were um, were discouraged and distraught. And one of my favorite parts of the early memorials is the uh, 17-foot cross of iron beams that was discovered in the wreckage, and that's become a very iconic picture in a lot of different places that have covered the uh, the footage in, of the wreckage. And it really became a place of prayer and worship as it was mounted uh, on a concrete stand, and whenever the remains of people were found, and I can't even imagine this, just, you know, finding remains and just going through all of that, but they they would oftentimes just, they needed prayer, and they would use this location, the cross, to come in to pray. So this is a very special place, a very special icon. Then up in New York, you know,
2: that whole area where the towers came down, that became known as Ground Zero. And there were people from all over the country that came to volunteer there to help clean up all of the debris. And uh, it took them months and months. And I remember I, the first time I went up to New York after 9-11 was in February, and Ground Zero was still a huge, you couldn't even get real close to it. It was a huge pile of debris, and they were, in fact, while my group was there, they were still finding some remains, and I remember there was a funeral at St. Patrick's Cathedral where they were having a funeral for two firemen that they had found their remains in the tower. The original memorials were really organic, and I think a lot of Americans all over the country. And can remember driving down freeways, and you'd see, like, on overpasses where people would hang American flags and they'd have, like, bouquets of flowers. And the whole country was trying to find ways to, you know, pay tribute to yeah. what had happened.
0: Well, you guys, let's talk just again a little bit about. Uh the three memorials, the 9 11 memorial, the Pentagon, and then Flight 93 that's in Pennsylvania. I'll start with the 9 11 memorial. And I keep thinking, too, you know, the, they, these memorials that were eventually put up uh, were specifically to honor those who lost their lives uh, so people don't forget, so we don't forget. And I love the memorial, uh, the 9 11 memorial, and I'm sure you guys do too. I think to me, the most powerful. Um, portion of it is the memorial pools um, because they stand. These pools are are two pools, um, each nearly an acre in size that sit in the footprints of the former uh, North and South Towers, uh, where the Twin Towers used to be. These pools are just amazing. They contain uh, a waterfall in each one. It's the largest man-made waterfall in North America, descending about 30 feet into a square basin. From there, the water in each pool drops another 20 feet, and disappears into a smaller central void. In I love the concept of the architect here, because when I stand there, uh, and again, according to the architect, the pools represent, it's uh, in his quote, uh, an absence made visible. And uh, although the water flows into the voids, they can never be filled. And that just really gripped my heart the first time I said, I stood there, you know, the sound of, of the cascading water. But again, they, uh, it flows into those voids that can never be filled. Really quickly, you guys, just a couple other parts to this memorial. Uh, the names of all uh, 2,900 plus people that were killed in the 2001 and, and 1993 terrorist attacks are inscribed on the outside. I think they're called parapets. Uh, they're inscribed up on top around the outside of these of the pools. I think just, again, tragedy to triumph. Uh, the new 1776 tower would start being built. And to me, that also just represented uh, lives being rebuilt, never forgetting, you know, but we're, we're, we're asked to forgive. Seeing that tower going up over the ensuing years uh, really made me think every time I visited New York that there was progress, there, was, there were things that were being done. Um, you can't forget what happened, but you can move forward. So there's two other memorials. Um, Jay, you want to talk about the the Pentagon? Yeah, I
2: will. Um, the Pentagon was built at the beginning of World War II in like 18 months because they needed this huge building for the Department of Defense. It was like the largest office building in the world. And because they had done it so quickly, just prior to nine eleven, they had been working on remodeling the Pentagon and the workers had just finished the whole west side of the Pentagon, they had reinforced all the walls, they had put in like, uh, bulletproof glass Had made everything was strong and, you know, brand new, basically. And that's when the the plane hit it, and it hit right in the center of the section that they had just finished remodeling. So if they hadn't remodeled it, there would have been a lot more damage. But these same people who had just remodeled that side of the Pentagon, they came back and rebuilt that whole side. And that's the side where they put this memorial. So this memorial didn't come up until 2008. So what's really neat about this site is they made this large curved wall that went all the way around in kind of a large circle. And it was called the Age Wall. And what's interesting about that is the wall starts out only three inches high, and it goes around till it reaches the height of 71 inches. The youngest victim of the Pentagon crash was a young three-year-old uh, named Dana Falkenberg. She and her parents were on their way moving to, I think it was Australia, when they were killed on the plane. And then the oldest was a, a gentleman uh, named John Yamaniki, who was 71 years old. So the victims um, ranged from age 3 to 71. And what's on this memorial, it's a large a circular area, and there's 184 memorial benches. They're kind of an angled bench, and they angle out, and then at the end of the bench, there's no support. So it's kind of a cantilevered bench. Underneath the bench, there's a small pool of water and has lights in it. Um, and when you're standing looking at the bench, the name of the per- victim's name is going to be on the end that cantilevers over that water. When you are looking at the bench and you look up and you face the western sky, that means that person was on flight 77. They were on the plane. Some of the benches angle the other way. And if you're standing at that bench, reading the name, and you look up and you see the Pentagon, that shows you that that person was someone who was in the Pentagon when the plane hit it.
0: You know, the whole memorial has this wonderful symbolism. um, Mm -hmm. And as as do the other ones. But this, this very powerful uh, in terms of uh, remembering uh, those people in their families
1: another uh, interesting fact about the, the Pentagon as well is that the actual groundbreaking of that Pentagon structure was September 11th of 1941 so um, a lot of yeah that's right a lot of memory exactly. a lot of uh, symbolism as you look back at that memorial which again is the point of why we come to these memorials that we can i love it when you can learn the names when the names are there and you can learn their stories yeah. and it's one of the things i try to encourage people to do is go learn the story don't don't take what we're telling you for it but go find out more and learn the stories of these names because they were real people yeah
0: well, and we ha- we have one more memorial, Sabrina, uh, Flight uh, 93.
1: Yeah, uh, Flight 93 is obviously a little bit different. Um, I think the, the mission statement of Flight 93 Memorial says it all. Um, a common field one day, a field of honor forever. And um, it, the story of Flight 93 uh, is powerful. The young men that came together, the young men and women on that flight who made a decision that um, ended up grounding that flight uh, in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. Uh, Again, as we've talked about, there's a lot of thought that that uh, plane was likely headed uh, towards uh, Washington and and likely the Capitol building. And at the point of uh, the flight being taken over, the other flights had already crashed, and a couple phone calls were made by those air phones on the planes. And it was discovered that... um, This was likely a a target plane. So the people on board, we highly encourage you to learn their stories. There's a book written called Let's Roll by uh, Lisa Beamer. Uh, Todd, her husband was on that flight and a phone call was made Uh, attempted to get to his wife, but got to an operator, and uh, that's how we know a little bit more about what happened on that plane, and so the memorial in Shanksville is a a big field where that uh, plane went down, um, and fortunately, there were no other lives on the ground that were lost, um, but all 40 that were on the plane uh, lost their lives in that memorial, so there's so many significant things from the field of honor, um, the Tower of voices with the wind chimes and definitely a little bit out of the way um, for a lot of groups per se to visit, but we highly encourage a stop there at those sacred grounds uh, for Flight 93.
0: Well, and Sabrina, that just makes me think, what are we going to do with the information uh, in our hearts? So Sabrina, what, what would be a good call to action uh, to kind of wrap up with.
1: Well, I think as we've uh, talked you know, quite a bit today about the different stories of 9-11, you know, it makes us look back, um, look at these stories. And I think a lot of people came out of that day as what I would consider heroes that were just normal, normal people who uh, walked into their day. Um, and we thankfully have gotten to know a lot of these stories because somebody decided we needed to know, we needed to hear that story. And they created an organization or a foundation or a memorial and uh, wrote a book. So uh, one of those is Tunnel to Towers Foundation, that um, a great story about um, a young man who uh, was a firefighter, Stephen Siller, and he was off, off duty. But when he found out what happened, turned around and went back and um, consequently lost his life in saving others. And there are so many stories like that, that I believe can build us up in courage, not that we uh, intentionally run into danger just to, to try to be a hero. But they were called to something bigger than themselves and uh, stepped up to that courage and many of them may have been you know if you'd asked them do you have the kind of courage to do this and and they probably would have said no and i think it's a, a lifetime of choices that helps us build the, that courage it's uh, being grounded in god's word uh we certainly have a call to action in the word that says uh, to be strong and courageous, uh, for the Lord goes before you. And of course, there's, con- there's a a lot to make sure that we're doing right. If the Lord is going before us, it's not going out on, on our own. Um, but I believe that each one of us will face uh, challenges in our lives, and hopefully, the stories that we hear um, can help build us up to make the right choice uh, when. That opportunity comes. Yeah
0: and that's a great encouragement to continue uh, to read especially God's word, uh, but to read about the lives um, of those that are have gone before us and uh, the yeah, just the importance of knowing and understanding and remembering um, what God has done through people. Well, Jay, uh, Sabrina, I want to thank you guys for joining me today. We could There's so much more that we could talk about, obviously, uh, but in lieu of time, uh, we want to kind of bring it to a close. Well, Jay, thank you, and Sabrina, a uh, uh, huge thank you for being on the episode today. Thank you, Aaron. Um, it was really
2: an honor to share my story and to reminisce with Sabrina and Um, just to talk about what happened and just, again, express my gratefulness to all those who helped to recover from those tragedies. And thanks for letting
0: me share.
1: Yeah. Thanks, guys.
0: Well, you guys have been a huge encouragement today. Here at American Christian Tours, we want to be an encouragement through these podcasts. Uh, So don't forget to subscribe so you can be notified when the next episode drops and share this podcast with your friends also, if you have any questions for us, we'd love to hear them. You can email us at behindthetour, all one word, at ax-tours.com. Well, here at American Christian Tours, uh, we believe that one person can make a difference, uh, and together we can make a big difference. We believe that inspiring people, both young and the not so young, uh, is very important. We believe that the past uh, gives insight into what lies ahead. And we're very passionate about providing educational tour programs that make a difference. So thanks everyone for joining us today. And as always, remember that your story is a part of his story. God is writing your story and he put you here. And now for such a time as this.